we had uh, David Hussey on at the start of December last year, if you can remember, just for, to, for preview of the Big Bash. Yep. Um, You're going to stitch me up here, aren't you? Oh, and, no. well, look, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like doing this, Was, but I've just oh. got to keep you in check. I know what's coming. <laughs> okay, so this is how I introduced David Hussey. Huge show to come. We've got to get through it because, uh, oh, it's going to get really, really exciting. Coming up very shortly, David Hussey's going to join Huss. us, the head of male cricket in the Victoria. Better Huss. <laughs> the better Huss. Can you believe it? Uh, well, we've managed to track down his brother who... <laughs> Played a few more test matches for Australia than uh, David, and he joins us now. G'day, Mike Hussey. G'day, boys. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, it's good to be on. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> no worries. Now, I just want to just settle something. I know it's got to be frosty in here all of a sudden. Are you the better Huss? <laughs> I actually thought Dave was a much better player than me. Definitely a lot more talent, a lot more ability. Um, could hit the ball a lot further than me. Um, but somehow he'd find his way to get out a little bit too often sometimes as well. So uh, <laughs> I was a boring brother, could just hang in there and block it all day, be not out at the end of the day. But uh, Dave, he, he was more about sort of getting quick 30 or 40 as fast as he could and then getting back in the sheds. Uh, well, 79 test matches and 6,000 runs. I think uh, you're a bit ahead of him, mate. No. <laughs> uh, no, it was, it was a good good fun, good fun career. I was actually really happy that I got to play with him um, for Australia for a few games as well in the T20s and, and uh, one day for Australia. So that, that was pretty um, proud for the family, I guess. And Mike, can you just give us an insight into the, the backyard uh, test matches you would have played back in the day growing up as kids? Uh, what were some of the uh, rivalries in the backyard? Yeah, well, we probably get on a lot better now than what we did uh, as kids in the backyard. We were more more like enemies. It was Australia versus England, um, and probably if there was a spirit of cricket back in those days, we would have been banned for life. You know, there was uh, there was cheating, there was bribery, there was punch ups, there was swearing, there was um, all kinds of stuff that you should not ever see on a cricket field going on. But um, yeah, they're pretty willing battles, and probably where we learn our competitive spirit, I reckon. Mm. Mike, it's was here. Uh, apologies for that intro. I think they just uh, I don't know where that audio came from. Uh, <laughs> stitch up big time. But uh, you, you're in the commentary box at the moment. Uh, back in there, how are you finding that? And uh, w- sort of what else are you up to? Um, yeah, I'm loving the commentary. It's good, good fun. Um, look, to be honest with you, and try and keep it as quiet as I can. I don't even see it as a job, really. I just sort of feel like I'm rocking up to the cricket, sitting in the best seats in the house, in the air conditioning, and just having a chat to the guys and girls about the game, really. So, um, as long as I can burgle, uh, <laughs> burgle a role doing that um, and not have to get a real job, I'll be, um, I'll be pretty happy. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty good summer actually. I've, I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed the Big Bash. Uh, I thought that was sort of better than it has been on last year. Probably the shorter format, just. Um, Made every game a bit more interesting. Um, it was great to see um, Pakistan put up a really good fight in the Test Series as well. And if they could have just done the basics a bit better, I think they probably should have won a Test match off Australia there uh, along the way. And then, wow, what about the West Indies and that second Test match at the Gabba? That was just uh, unbelievable, really. Uh, one of the probably the best Test wins ever, <laughs> I think, for, from a West Indies perspective. Um, uh, so it's been it's been a pretty good summer so far, you know. And, and I must admit, coming into the summer, I was a little bit nervous about how it was going to go. I thought Australia would sort of steamroll everyone. Um, but, you know, it's good to see some competitive cricket. And Mike, sort of what do you put it down to from Australia's, Australia's perspective? Uh, do you think that maybe too much cricket or the, 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 the big tests that they had overseas and then to come back, they're probably a little bit more relaxed? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think um, you can't underestimate how much um, those overseas tours have taken out of the guys. Um, you know, obviously, World Test Championship, 
Ashes, and then you've got a World Cup in there as well. They're massive series, and they take so much of your energy and effort um, just to compete in those, let alone win win them all as well, or obviously sort of draw the Ashes. But, you know, I felt like a lot of the players looked a little bit jaded coming back into this summer, uh, if I'm being honest, and we sort of saw Travis Head, you know, he, he sort of uh, snuck off for a bit of a rest, resting a few of the fast bowlers during the one-day series against the West Indies. Um, you know, Marnus hasn't really had the same output as what we're used to seeing from Marnus, and it could just be just a little bit of a me- uh, mental fatigue, you know, setting in with some of these guys. So I think they, they go to New Zealand, they play a few, couple of test matches over there and then get a bit of a break. So uh, I think a few of them would be pretty keen to have just down tools for a bit and, um, and recharge the batteries. And you spoke about sort of playing around the world. If you look back on, on your days, and I've got a if I, if I have a bucket list of grounds to go to, uh, I think there's a ground that's way up the top in India somewhere on the top of some cliff. Uh, there's Sri Lanka's got the ground surrounded by the ocean. Where, where are the grounds we should be going on our bucket list? Oh, well, I mean, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. You've got to go to Lords, you know, like it's... It's unbelievable. Um, apart from the big slope, everything else is perfect at the ground. You know, the outfield's beautiful. The training facilities out in the, in the nursery ground are beautiful. You know, walking through the chain rooms, down to, down the steps, through the long room out on the ground is, is pretty amazing. And I tell you what, it's the best restaurant I've ever been to for lunch. Like, the, the lunches are unbelievable. Like, it's so good. So, you know, Lords is pretty special. Um, so I, I definitely sort of recommend there. I think um, Cape Town's pretty good, you know, with the uh, Table Mountain in the background as well. Uh, that's a pretty nice ground to, to go and see and, and watch some cricket from. Um, where else is there around the world? I, I think if you can get to an IPL game and get to uh, Wankhede Stadium in um, Mumbai, mm-hmm. I think that's probably the best atmosphere I've ever heard on a, any cricket ground around the world. Like The, the noise that that place makes um, is just absolutely incredible. So uh, I, I reckon a, a Mumbai Chennai Super Kings uh, IPL game at Wankhede Stadium is probably where you want to go. Bang. On the oh, list. There you mm. go, Boz. Uh, now, just, uh, we've just come off the ODI series, uh, and congratulations to you and uh, all your commentary team uh, for this series, uh, with, whether you're with Fox Sports or, or otherwise, because uh, it's a fairly average ODI series, let's be fair. And I, I don't know how, I, know, I don't understand how you got through it. I mean, staying awake for that long. I mean, well done to you. Uh, yeah, I, know, I must admit it was a bit disappointing to sit the one-day series, wasn't it? You know, Australia, look, resting quite a few pl- of the main players as well, so it's pretty much like an Australia A team um, and just completely dominating, um, you know, the Windies. Unfortunately, it's so sad, really, because, you know, as a kid growing up, watching the Windies was um, was the complete opposite. They were dominating Australia. I think they were the best team for about 20 years, and so to see how far they've fallen, is um, it's a real shame. Um, hopefully... You know, they can turn it around. But um, I'll tell you, from a, from an Australian perspective, it was pretty exciting to see some new faces out there. You know, um, Xavier Bartlett was sensational, mm-hmm. really. And it was good to see him get an opportunity and show the world that he's good enough to play at the next level. And, mm-hmm. and I guess we got a little bit of a snippet of uh, Jake Fraser-McGurk as well, yeah. which was um, pretty exciting to watch. I mean... I think it's going to be a roller coaster watching him. He's going to te- we're going to tear our hair out sometimes. We know when he plays a silly shot, but uh, when he gets going um, and he gets a few out of the middle, he's he's pretty exciting to watch. Well, Ricky Ponting reckons he should be uh, straight into the Test team. Do you agree? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a little bit of a stretch. I think he's only played a handful of Sheffield Shield games at this stage, mate. I think he scored his first Shield hundred this year, which I'm sure would have been fun to watch as well. But as far as racing him into the Test team, probably a little bit premature for my liking. I'd love to see him dominate uh, in the Sheffield Shield for South Australia for a year or two. And Mike, obviously, the recent departure of David Warner has left a hole in the top of the Australian batting lineup. Um, 
Personally, who do you think should um, take the role and um, take forward the opening spot heading forward? Yeah, it's a good question. It's been well debated, I guess, over the last uh, little bit since David Warner retired. Um, and obviously Steve Smith sort of taken on the role and I'm sure he'll do a very good job. Like, he's a, obviously a great player, so uh, he'll he'll adapt and make it work. I was, I would have gone a different way. I would have gone more your traditional opener and and for, for a number of reasons. One, it's a very difficult role to play. Um, so... You know, it's it, you need to be a bit of a specialist in the role, um, and I think you need to have a, a very sound technique. You need to be able to obviously play the, the new ball well. I think with moving Steve Smith up there, he'll handle it. But we're actually taking away from where he can be sort of really dominant through the middle um, of, of the order as well, batting at number four. Plus, secondly, I just really wanted us to send a really strong message to Sheffield Shield cricket that we really back and trust our um, our system coming through. Mm. And I, I wish that they sort of said, no, okay. Who is the best perform opener um, from the Sheffield Shield competition over the last couple of years, and, and give them an opportunity because it just sell, sends such a great message to the competition that if you perform well consistently over a period of time, then you will get your opportunity in the Australian team. And and that's where I sort of feel for someone like Cameron Bancroft. I think you know he's probably been the best. Uh, player in Shield cricket the last two years, and for them to overlook him, I think it was probably a bit of a dagger to his heart. Um, so, I probably would have gone Bancroft. But having said that, you know Cameron Green in the middles, um, he's he's done pretty well in Sheffield Shield cricket too. So I can understand their thinking. And you're speaking from experience there, Mike. There was a lot of cricketers in your day that uh, had to wait their turn. Well, exactly right, and and that's the way it should be. You know, you, you should have to. Um, dominate the level below and earn your place in that team and I think it's a recipe for success if you if you try and blood someone too quickly like say for example a Jake Fraser McGirt where he maybe hasn't quite you know earned that position yet then you know it it, um, it sort of can set you up for failure a little bit and it's sort of you know, if you've got a player that had to really work for it and really deserve it and really want they'll never, ever take it for granted as well. And so you've got more chance of having sort of long-term success. Mm. How many first-class centuries did you make before making your debut for Australia? Mm, hundred of them. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not really the stats, man. I think someone told me a while ago... It, it, I'd scored something like 15,000 first-class mm. runs. So, um, yeah, it was quite a quite a weight. <laughs> it's a pretty hard team to get into back in those days. Oh, well, yeah. the, the other one was Brad Lodge as well. I mean, he, he made yep. a similar amount of runs. And yeah, he scored a bucket load as well, yeah. yeah. So we were competing with the War Brothers and um, I think Damien Martin and um, I don't know who else was going through there at the time, but it was pretty tough going. Mm. Uh, a quick one for me too. Uh, Mitch Marsh, uh, West Australian boy, uh, you'd be very pleased. Yeah, he's been awesome, hasn't he? Uh, I just think he's at this beautiful stage in his career where, you know, when you're a young guy, you come in and it's all new and fresh and exciting and you can sort of play with that sort of freedom. And then you go through that middle phase where you're trying to protect your spot in the team and you want to be there so badly and you're trying so hard and you're still trying to figure out what your best game looks like. And then you can sort of come out the other side, maybe when you hit your 30s, where you're sort of content where you are in life, settled off the field, you know your game inside and out, and you can just sort of let go and just sort of, um, you know, play your best cricket. And I feel like Mitch Marsh is in that little sweet spot at the moment, really settled off the field. He's, he made a definite mental shift in how he wanted to play. You know, I, I felt as though a couple of years ago when he was in and out of the team, he was trying to just hang in there and survive and just keep his place in the team, whereas now he's just saying, no, nah, I'm going to go out there. If I'm going to go down, I'm going down swinging. 
thinking, I'm going to go down playing the way I want to play, the way I play my best cricket. And he's been awesome to watch. And he's, he's a great guy to have around a dressing room as well. He's certainly someone that brings people together and, and, and you know, really loves loves the team environment. So, uh, yeah, it's great to see him have success. Yes, he loves a beer. And what is it? What did he say on the Alan Boyd? He's a bit chubby, but loves a beer. He goes, oh, I'm a bit fat and I love a beer. But, uh, you know, they, they showed so much faith in him. So I, I think that obviously means a lot to him. It does. Uh, so then the, the immediate future, we've got the um, ODIs, uh, sorry, the T20 series against the West Indies, but then straight after, um, the test matches in New Zealand. That'll be exciting and a bit more competitive, you'd, you'd imagine? Yeah, I would have thought so. I, I'm really looking forward to those two test matches uh, against the Kiwis. Um, it'd be interesting to see what the pitches they prepare, because traditionally speaking, they are a bit lower and slower, but they can seam around quite a lot. But I don't know if they'll want to produce pitches like that with our bowling attack. You know, um, obviously Cummins and Stark and Hazel would really enjoy those bit of conditions. Throw Mitch Marsh and Cameron Green in there as well. They'll enjoy bowling on those conditions. So, yeah, it, it should be a really competitive series. I think um, I think New Zealand, whenever they come to Australia, we, we really hype it up and think it's going to be a tight series. And the last couple of times we've belted New Zealand. But going over there on their home turf where they know the conditions a lot better, I'm expecting a pretty tight series. And Mike, just one last one from us. I just want to know, how does Mr. Cricket sit with you, the nickname um, Mr. Cricket? <laughs> oh, I... It oh, could be called a lot worse, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, that's... I, I've never really liked it because, I mean, it's born out of bit, um, how much I love the game, really. You know, um, and so I think that's where it's come. But I, I don't like the tag because I, I know there's much better players out there than I ever was. And, that, and I know there's people out there that know more about the game than I ever did. <laughs> and there's, yeah, better players. So I doesn't. that's where it didn't sit comfortably with me. But I, I do love the game very much. And so I think that's that's sort of the meaning behind it more than anything and um, yeah if I know I'm, I mean I'm sure there's other guys that love it as much if not more than me as well but uh, I'd, I'd probably be right up there in the love stakes <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike we'll have to leave it there mate I know you've got things to do but uh, really appreciate you giving us some of your time um, good luck uh, with the uh, um, what is it T20 series against the West Indies mate and no doubt we'll stay in touch and uh, talk cricket again soon no worries, boys. Thanks for having me on. Have a good evening. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Fantastic. Yeah, there you go. Mr. Cricket. Mr. Cricket. Oh, the better uh, house. <laughs>